This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome to a very special, special edition of the Amazing Mets Alumni Podcast. And this is the 60th anniversary of the Mets franchise. What better way to have a distinguished panelist of uh, four original 1962 Mets? Start with Craig Anderson, uh, led the team in 1962 with 50 appearances. Um, in May, he won a doubleheader against the Milwaukee. Uh, unfortunately, the team only won, only won 38 games after that. Uh, Craig uh, pitched the... Uh, the last game at uh, the Polo Grounds for, for the Mets. Um, then we have, you know, Joe Christopher. Joe played in over 100 games in the Alabama for the Mets in 1962. In 1964, he hit 300 with 16 homers, 74 RBIs, and in one game against the Reds, Joe had two triples, a double, and what a home run. Not, not, not bad, not a cycle, but not pretty, not a bad outing. And then we have uh, uh, Frank Thomas. In 1962, Frank led the Mets with 34 homers, 94 RBIs. He still holds the Mets record for six home runs in three games. And last but not least is Jay Hook, who after nine straight losses, won the first game for the Mets in 1963. Nine to one complete game in Pittsburgh against a great pirate team to feature Clemente and Stargell. That year, Jay had 13 complete games. And uh, he threw 233 innings, which probably is not going to happen today. But it started off, guys, I, you know, 60 years ago, you guys were getting ready for the first week training in, in St. Petersburg. Do you remember what you guys were thinking about this time, you know, 60 years ago? I'll throw up whoever wants to start. Uh Okay, I'll, I'll take it off. I remember we were sitting in the clubhouse all in a, all on our benches by our lockers waiting for Casey to enter the room. And of course, we were all kind of like really didn't know each other very well. But with the anticipation of having the old professor walk out in the room and talk to us was what I remember vividly. And uh, that, that was our first day. And I do remember that. Jay, what do you remember? Well, the thing I remember, I guess, Jay, is, you know, some of us had never played in New York, but, but you know, there were a lot of, lot of players on that team, and we wondered what it would be like, but, you know, the Frank Thomases and the Duke Snyders and the Gil Hodges and the, 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 the Richie Ashburns and those guys had been, you know, veteran players, and I, I was optimistic, uh, to be honest, and, and I thought, you know, this can be a pretty good team. These guys have got great track records. And of course, Casey Stengel, that was a big deal. Uh, Frank, how about you? What's your first memory of St. Petersburg? It was warm. It was warm? I heard it was in Pittsburgh. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I looked over the lineup, all the players who were there, 
And I says, you know, we're going to have a pretty good ball club. We're going to have a pretty good hitting ball club, okay, with Hodges, Charlie Neal, okay, Felix Mantilla, and uh, Jim Hickman, okay, Richie Ashburn, and, Jay, and, and Gus Bell. But he didn't last too long because he was a player that the Milwaukee got when they traded me to the Mets in that expansion thing. That was a, that was a crazy thing that happened there. But uh, I looked at it and, and I says, and, and, and as the season went on, you know, I was wondering, well, gee, we have that kind of a ball club. We've got, we got a lot of hits and stuff like that, but uh, we lose the ball games in the seventh, eighth and ninth inning. And we lose it in any and every which way you ever want to think about losing. Yeah. Joe, how about your memories, Camelia? Joe? There's one thing I could do, I could hit. And, and, and I had no problem with that. Even today, Joe? Who? You can still hit today? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, let me ask you guys a hard question. You know, just got to the Hall of Fame. You guys were teammates. Anybody with you know, Frank, back then, did you think that Gil Hodges would one day become a manager and get in the Hall of Fame? What's up for you, Frank? Well, I tell you, he should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. Uh, and being in New York with all the writers that they have in New York, and it's a shame that he didn't get in sooner than, than he should have. And but, he was he was a great first baseman. He, he taught me an awful lot about playing first, and I and I respected him, and I enjoyed working out with him and teaching me the way the first base should be played. I I admired him. I just felt bad when uh, he gets off the bus and all of a sudden he can't walk, and uh, he missed a lot of ball games. I think if he would have been there. At the part of the uh, first part of the season, I don't think we would have lost as many games as we did. I mean, did you what, did you follow him when he was a manager? Did you follow the '69 Mets at all, Frank? Or? Oh yes, I, I follow the Mets all the time, I and mean, because the Mets have been probably the the best ball club for me, okay, than any of the other clubs. Uh, I, I played for the Pirates for eight years. And those eight years were, uh, you know, just mediocre as far as what they do. The Pirates are only interested in the World Series. That's all they're interested in. They said there's no, uh, no anything as, as far from 60 down back, 59 all the way down that way. It's, it's nothing with, with, uh, for the Pirates in that respect. And that mm-hmm. makes me kind of angry and mad because, uh, you know, Pittsburgh was a, was a great baseball town. Jay, Jay, what do you remember? Jay, how can you remember about Gill? You know, your first couple of years with him. Well, I I was always respectful of Gill. You know, he had a he was much more serious or, or senior player than I was. But but you know, he'd been around. He he was a great player. I I couldn't believe I'm mean, just like Frank that that he didn't get in. And I Jay, I think I read just recently that it. it it was 38 times he was put up for that and, and didn't yeah. make it, something yeah, like it that. A, yeah, it was around that number. And he, he got the most votes of anybody on the ballot who didn't get in until now. Right. And and I just felt, you know, he's a nice guy to start with, but he was a great player, too, and a good manager. Uh, you yeah. know, what, what more do you need, you know, to, 
to a, he participated in a lot of World Series games. Uh, you know, when he was with the the Yankees, and and uh, you know, I just thought how, how or with Brooklyn, I mean, and yeah, uh, how could he not be voted in? I just I I wondered what was the problem because I I yeah. thought he should have been in there. He lost it. He lost a couple of years in the beginning. You know, we served the Marines in World War II, and then he died at 47 years old, which kind of, you know, back in, he if he had stayed on won another world championship, it would have been easier. Camille, you want to ask Joe, does he have any members of Gil? He said he said he was a good friend to him. He was a good man, and he should have gotten the Hall of Fame earlier. I, did he have, did he, did he help Joe at all with anything, Camellia? We talk, him? we talk together now many times. Great. Craig, how about you? Yeah. Oh, listen, uh, this Gil was a gentleman, a scholar, and one of the finest teammates I ever had. I played I played with Musial, and I played with Gil, and he's right up at the top of the ladder as just being one of the classiest guys that I ever had as a teammate. And uh, down to earth, I know he chatted with all of us all the time you know he, I, as i hear from you guys uh he definitely should be in the hall of fame but long long ago and just to show you how what he how um he reached down to i'm a rookie that year and he reached down to judy and i and said can can cookie and i come up and play bridge in the room and they did they can't hear it and 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 jay i, I think he played I'm, i have to ask, check with jay on that but he came up and we were like frozen in our seats here playing with these guys, but it was just a thrill. That's all I remember about him. And he won two of my three wins. I wish he had played, like Frank said, many more games. We might have won more games and all of us would have benefited from him being there. He's just a super guy and I can't say anything more about him than just that. You guys, talk a little bit about the fans. You know, 40 wins, 120 losses. So the fans were great. Banner day. You guys got a lot of respect around. You know, and whoever said, what was it like to play before the those kind of fans in 1962? Whoever Frank, whoever can we start start? Well, to be honest, to be honest with you, you know, I remember because at that particular time, that's when the World's Fair was there. Okay, and all of those people that and and my kids were at the World's Fair every day, <laughs> and uh, you know, in, in the banner days, you know, you you couldn't ask for anything more than that. But be honest with you, New York is strictly a, a National League town, and they, they they like that better than they did Brooklyn. And uh, I I enjoyed playing in New York. I enjoyed the facilities, uh, you know, the things that they had for us and everything like that. And it took us up to the mountains and things like that with the family, and it was really great. And it was one of the outstanding times that I had spending in New York. You think, Camille, is, does Joe have any remembrance of the fans at all? I've never been in New York, yeah, and there. When you ask, it makes you, they ask me a question away back there. He's very popular back then. Why, why, was, he, why was he popular, do you remember? Well, maybe they knew me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, how about you? Well, I, I thought it was a terrific place to play. And, you know, you know, Jay, this brings me to another uh, kind of another subject, too, that <clears throat> I, I learned a lot from Casey Stingle about salesmanship and about taking care of your customers. 
and and <laughs> that I, I've used in years after that. But but he at that time, Jay, how many writers were there in New York? Like twelve or thirteen or fourteen? A lot, a lot more than they are now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot more papers. He after every game, he would call those writers into his office, get them a coke or a beer or whatever they wanted, and talk about the game and and talk about tell them stories and all this. He he made the sports writers' job easy. And he knew that the way to get to the fans was through the sports writers, through the papers at that point in the, the career. And, 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 and he did a wonderful job of bringing fans along, uh, uh, you know, to support the team. And then the banner days and all the other things, uh, the fans in New York were absolutely terrific. They were just so supportive. And, you know, we were the worst team ever in baseball. And yet they, they really supported us. Craig, what do you recall? Uh, yeah, I, I go right along those same lines. Uh, when, before I came to New York, all I read about, heard about, New York fans are just so happy to have National League Baseball back in New York. And when I walked out on that first game, the, the field the first day, the fans were cheering us on. And when I walked out on the last home game, the fans were there cheering us on. They never quit on us between the banner days and – Every any all the events they put on for us and cheered us win lose. Uh, it, 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 I've never forgotten it, and I don't think I've ever been in a group of, of a crowd like that fans in my rest of my career. So I, my hats off to the New York people for that, and I think that they were so happy to be there that they weren't worried about our wins and losses as much as they might today. Guys, what are the most iconic? guys in Mets history is Marv Throneberry. I know Jay Hook has a special story. I, I, I remember correctly, Jay, you gave Marv his nickname. Is that true? Well, I didn't give it to him. What, what he came to me one day and he said, Hook, you're an engineer, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, engineers can print real good, can't they? And I said, yeah, I know. I took drafting. I know how to print. And he got, he took the card off the top of his locker and he turned it over to the blank side and he, he gave me a pen and he said, write Marvelous Marv on this, would you? And so I printed out Marvelous Marv. He put it back above his locker. And that day, Frank, I think he hit a home run or did something. But the writers came around after the game and saw that Marvelous Marv sign above his locker. And I think that, that uh, you know, symbolized him for quite a while. <laughs> Frank, you, you, did you, what do you remember about Marv? What I remember about Marv when he missed when he missed first base and missed second base, <laughs> he got out of third base. That's, that's <laughs> and, a big and, uh, and the umpire says, "Case, he missed. He, he not only missed first, but missed second too." <laughs> so Case just walked back to the dugout and didn't say another word. But uh, Marv was a, was a a good hitter. Okay, uh, if he would only take his time. You know, and, and look for certain pitches, but he, he swung at bad pitches like we all do every every once in a while. And uh, you, all you can do is do the best you can and hope for the best. Craig, you got any memories of Marv? Uh, that 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 incident right there is one of the big memories with Marv. Um, I was in we were in the bullpen that day when he when he, Marv hit that ball out into right center field. So we watched the whole play. And of course, as Frank said it, he missed first and second. 
And Casey had said, well, I know one thing. He didn't miss thirds. He's standing on it. <laughs> now, the next thing, now, the next day, I learned this later, and I'm not positive this is true, but it sounds true. The next day, Charlie Neal hit a home run early in the game. Casey came out of the dugout. As Neal, as Neal got towards first, he pointed first, touch. He pointed second, touch. He pointed third, touch. I think that sounds like Casey, something Casey would have done, but it all goes back to Marv. And, and you know, like Frank said, he, he, he's a good hitter, uh, very low-key guy. I played with him at Buffalo, too. Liked him a lot. And uh, he certainly went down to history in the, in the game as a character of the game, and, and he was a good guy. How hard was it, guys, you know, I mean, to come to the park? I remember I spoke to Crane Pool one day. He said it really got to be hard to come. You know, you want to win and the losing, the losing. Did it ever get – you guys get this conflict, discouraged, like in August? How was it coming to the park in August when you were approaching, you know, these mammoth loss figures? Jay, you want to start off? I mean, how hard was it? Well, it wasn't easy, but, you know – and one of the one of the neat things about baseball, and and I think we were that way in New York that year, was it's a new game every day. And you know, you you may have lost yesterday, but that doesn't mean you're gonna lose today. And I think I I don't know how you guys feel, but I, I had the attitude that, you know, hey, you know, we got a new start. We got a new new chance every day. And I, I felt that the guys were pretty positive in that. Frank, Johnny, Ben, one chip in. No, I, I, I agree with Jay 100% because, and I, and I always believed that, that uh, you could get beat 15 to 1 today, and then tomorrow you, you go out and you can win 15 to 1. Okay. So every day is, a, is another day. And I always said to myself, if I can win in a clubhouse after the ball game is over, and say to myself, I gave 100% of the God-given talent given to me to play this great game. I have nothing to say about it at all, except good things. Frank, how did you make you feel after all these years, you still had the Mets record, six homers in three games? Yeah, it's just a, little, it's just a 48, you know, I'm, I'm 60 years, that record is still intact. Did you, do you realize that I could have had eight home runs in five games? You told me the story. Tell me again. I know you told because, me. Because because the first game of the doubleheader against the Reds, I hit a ball when it's probably one of the very first times I've ever hit the ball in right field, and the ball just went foul for the first game, and then the second game went 14 innings, and I, I hit a home run off of off of Modrowski. So I could have had eight home runs in five games. That's pretty good. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Hey, Craig, let me ask you this. You know, I mean, Jay, Jay Hook, I'm sorry. You know, I remember speaking to Roger Craig a couple of years ago. I think he lost 20 games. Was it him or Al Jackson? I forget it was 20 games. And he said, I had to be pretty good to get run out. I mean, to pitch all those times. <laughs> Is that how you felt about it, that Casey had the confidence in you to keep running out there despite all the losses? Yeah, that that's true. Roger, I know Roger said that. And, and uh, you know, I guess I felt the same way that, you know, he was still using us. And uh, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think I lost 19 or something like that. And I, I could have been in that class as well. He's just, just as easy. Guys, what was it like? I think all you guys played at, at, at Shea Stadium. What was it like moving into Shea Stadium at 64 
Frank, who wants to start off? Uh, you know. I, I hated it. <laughs> you hated it? <laughs> Paul McGraw was Frank, a great, great partner for me, okay? And, uh, but, uh, you know, you go out every day, Jay, and you give 100% of God-given talent given to you, okay? And if I made four errors in a ball game, it wasn't because I wasn't trying. It's because I love the game and I wanted to win and I wanted to win badly. But uh, things didn't work out that way for us. And uh, probably like, like I said earlier, if Gil would have been in the lineup, I, I think our, our stats would have been a lot better than, than they were. But you, you were not a big Shea Stadium fan or Mr. Park? Which well, like I, I enjoyed Shea Stadium also. I just thought I'd throw that in. The polo ground was good for me. <laughs> Craig, what do you remember about making the move to Shea? Uh, I, I, would, I didn't play too much at Shea. Uh, right. I want to go back to the, the – UA. I, I, did, I didn't comment on the fans and the yes, law losing. And, and, um, and we all, we're all competitive guys, so naturally we took some game. We took the losses hard. And we, but every day, I'll say it, every player on that team went out every day, did their very best, as Frank said, and we came back, and the next day we, we did it all over again. And we did have a few bright moments in that year. And I, I do want to bring up one game, just uh, not because of me, but the day that we beat Cincinnati doubleheader, and it was in August, I believe, that our, our victories that day really hit hard back in Cincinnati. And Mr. Uh, Fred Hutchinson sat in that dugout for an hour. <laughs> His team left the locker room. And again, we, we, we tried hard and we won some, we won some game. We could have played the Braves more often. We might've won more games too. We had good luck against them. Guys, now, you, now, Shea Stadium. I only yes, went sir. there one time. I only went there in 64. So uh, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I liked uh, Polo Grounds, but again, it was time for a new stadium and I thought it was a nice place. I wanted to ask you guys about the Mets. You know, this is the 60th year. Uh, a lot of excitement around the team now. Uh, new ownership. Uh, uh, you know, got uh, new players. Uh, you know, new manager Buck. Do you guys follow the team closely? Like we were playing the lovable losers. The Mets are no longer the lovable losers. Now they're, you know, the papers are writing. We've overtaken Yankees in New York. We need coverage. It's now New York Mets town again. What are your thoughts about that, guys? Who who follows the team, you know, closely? Jay, anybody? Uh, Frank? Well, I, I, I follow them because I'll tell you, they had a pitching staff that was out of this world, okay? And they threw the ball hard. And the difference between pitchers back when we played, more so than the pitchers pitching today, because pitchers today do not get the chance to finish a ball game. Okay, if a pitcher yeah. is pitching a two hitter in the seventh inning, okay, and he plays a man on first and second, the manager comes out and doesn't give that kid a chance to, to work his way out of that and give him an opportunity. How else is a kid going to learn that if they don't give him that chance? Okay, back in our time, the pitchers did the best they can, even though they lost the game, they pitched nine innings. Nice. And that's the difference between back then and back today. Guys, could you believe the last couple of questions? You know, 60 years, you know, looking back, I mean, does it seem like 60 years have gone by since the first year? I mean, whoever was. 60 years, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that 60 years have gone by. 
but I'm glad to see the Mets had some success along the way. And, uh, mm. and, and the New York fans are, are still great fans from my standpoint anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's really a real sense of excitement now with the team, with the new ownership and the new players. And, you know, and uh, what, what, what do you guys think your legacy would be? I mean, I know, is it, you know, even though you didn't win, I mean, some iconic teams in Mets history, the 69 Mets, 86 Mets, but the 62 Mets will always have a special place in the Mets fans' heart. Don't you guys agree? Uh, uh, Jay, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, I still get probably eight to 10 letters a month with baseball cards in them for me to sign. It's only because I won the first Mets win. You know, that's, I mean, think, think about that. That's 60 years ago. And I, I just can't believe there's that many cards out there, number one. But number two, <laughs> I can't believe people want that autograph. You know, that just surprises the heck out of me. Yeah. Craig, talk about your yeah. you're like you're being remembered. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I never thought that we'd be getting the uh, publicity and the notoriety for losing 120 games, but uh, it's happened. And then only in New York do we get to be called original, original Mets. And I, I am flabbergasted by the amount of people that are connecting with me and uh, – I, I just, I, I'm overwhelmed by the people are still interested in Met history and Mets still to this day, even though they're all brand new fans. Yeah, I, I think it's great. Frank, how about you, your, your legacy with the Mets? Well, I'll tell you what, Jay, I get right now anywhere from 20 to 25 to 30 letters per week from the New York fans, okay? And I'm, and I'm out of baseball 55 years now, and they still write me in beautiful letters. And it's, it's, a, um, it's a treat for me because I was good to the fans. And I think that was made it that much. As long as they would stand in line when I got out of the clubhouse, I would stay there and I would sign for each and every one. And somebody would cross the line, I'd say, go to the end of the line, I'll be here. Okay, but I remember one time when a, a little kid came up and said, Mr. Thomas, would you sign these, these two cards for me? And I said, fine. I said, boy, that, that made me feel better that you asked for two. And then about three doors, three more side down, a young lady came up and says, Mr. Thomas, I did a favor. And I said, well, what is it? She says, can I ask you to sign four cards for me? And I just thought, you know, why would she want four cards? And she looked up at me, she said, well, now I can trade it for four, one of Roberto Clemente's. There are lots of kids, okay? Would you Joe what his fondest memories are? It was one of the honors of his life to be an original Met. He's got a lot of good memories from New York, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes, a sure. lot of people still, still remember him to this day. He still gets a lot of fan mail. He does, that's great, good. Hey guys, I want to appreciate everything. It's really going back, reminiscing.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 